There is no phone ringing, damn it! What the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Shaver's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! Okay. You let a woman beat ya. You little tiny nothing. Why did you move closer to me? Closer to Don't, you. Bob. Uh-uh. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. Norma Ray has been working since she was 16. And Jeff Goldblum is the psycho freak who's everywhere the action is. That's outrageous! You try one more goddamn stunt and I'll light up the fucking sky! I'd rather die running than be left here alone. Okay, but remember, serpentine! Absolutely. What a guy. You can fuck the lilies and the roses too. A decade under the influence. No rules, no limits. No wonder these filmmakers changed our world. I can work under these conditions. I know you can. Uh, I'm 52 years old, and I was today years old when I found out it's Helen of fucking Hel wheels. Hel Helen it's wheels. Hel Helen wheels instead of hell on wheels. <laughs> in that crappy song in the middle of a Paul McCartney record that has Band on the Run on it. <laughs> <laughs> Helen! Hell on Wheels. Maybe it's Helen's Hell on Wheels or something. I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Uh, the Oscar nominations are out. That's yeah. Cool. The first uh, indigenous woman nominated for an Oscar. Really? And the other five white ladies hope that they don't win. <laughs> I stole the Saturday Night Live joke. Hey. Let me just go through this. Uh, we're doing six movies today. Let's just get right to it because we're in a silly mood. Yeah. Uh, starting out with me, the D. Mind Snatchers, 1972, Mind Snatchers. which I like wrote second. I was all excited to write about Laser Blast. That, uh, <laughs> I did that first. Uh, let's let's go. Mind Snatchers, 1972. Oh look, a Christopher Walken film from 1972, right after his work as the kid in the Anderson tapes. That's the Rob the Whole Apartment Complex movie. Remember that one? Oh yeah, I remember the Anderson. Yeah, tapes. that's Connery, baby. I didn't even this. I didn't even. I didn't even know this movie uh, has been available. And oh fuck! Look at the synopsis. A German scientist works on a way to chill overly aggressive soldiers by putting hardware in their brains that stimulate the pleasure centers. Hold my damn espresso! And so I snatched the mind snatchers off the video store shelf, knowing fell full well that this time. There was no known way that this movie could let me down. <laughs> Enter Mind Snatchers. Uh, MS, which means Mind, Mind Snatchers, snatchers. Uh, is directed by Bernard Girard. Too rhymey, blimey. <laughs> he walks this earth from 1918 to 1997. He was 79 years old when he died. He directed a ton of late 50s television and movies with made-up sounding names like... Green-Eyed Blonde, The Party Crashers, Adventures in Paradise, The Lone Wolf, Checkmate, Wagon Train, and my favorite, Ride Out for Revenge. Hey, I think there's a couple <laughs> people in Ride Out for Revenge. He also directed a Twilight Zone and two movies that I will preview from the 70s that may or may not make the cut. Believe it or not, this 70s movie was based off a play by Dennis Reardon called The Happiness Game. Film stars Walken as Private James Reese and Timothy Hutton's dad in the movie Taps, Colonel Kirby, Ronnie Cox, 
right, Ronnie baby? Cox is still alive and working at 85. Oh. He's got 144 acting credits. He's seriously and like a lot of your favorite shit, including the to-be-reviewed uh, movie today, The Car. He's in Beverly Hills Cop, RoboCop, Total Recall, Cop Rock, Star Trek, True Detective, and heck, I just saw him in Being the Ricardos, which is awesome. Baby. Hey. There are a few more big and quite competent uh, character actors in this, but let's move on. And badly from memory, walk-in Private Reese is like not McMurphy <laughs> and just slightly less annoying than Henry Winkler in that damned wrestling movie. Uh, he gets put some place he didn't expect for fucking around and being more aggressive than the army enjoys. He meets Ronnie Cox, who he doesn't like, and they are eventually given the chips that were spoken of earlier, and they make Cox... They make... They make Cox. They make Cox ejaculate. His movie, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I just fucking ended it. This was like... I don't know, I think a pretty fun movie... It's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. It's a fun concept. Concept, uh, and there and what's his name? Ronnie Cox jerks off uh, on the table wildly at one point. Does he jerk off, point. or is he just getting whatever they did to monkeys? That ejaculation where they, you know, ejaculate he, the monkeys. He wasn't actually beating off, but he was like because doing the motion for beating on off. On the bus, I watched the trailer for this. And at the end of it, they're like, PG. And I was like, PG? <laughs> I, there's a lot of, like, Ronnie Cox ejaculating for, for and, a PG. And raping. Ooh. Yes, and raping. Oh, yeah, he's awful. Yeah. He's too aggressive for the army. I think I appreciate you reminding me that, of that because I had just shot that scene yeah, out of my brain. I was brain. like, fun? I liked it too, but yeah, he, I mean, he's supposed to be shitty. It's supposed to be fun. That, that, is, that is funny that my brain was just like, get Ooh. that scene out of here. <laughs> was it even necessary? There's funny no. bits with the werewolf no. and shit. I just wouldn't call Ronnie Cox's character fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy who screams because he's, he's getting his brain worked on and it sucks. Also, where is the staff? Yeah. In this place. Well, handing out fucking pills. I guess. Well, so. and like. But not even the pills. They people didn't have enough money for the staff that they needed. Yeah, because it was just like one. And guy. not the institution, just the film. Yeah. I'm sure the uh, pretend yeah, institution yeah, yeah. probably had a billion nurses. <laughs> Maybe even in the play. I don't know. Yeah. Although or, a lot of seventies plays are just four people walking around. Right. <laughs> but isn't it? Doesn't it say that it's based on a true story? A little bit. Know, maybe. There was something. And there's a lot of movies that are there's like, like this. A, and this is an I mean, there's definitely one. a lot of programs like that where they, they did very yeah. bizarre tests on people. MK Ultra. There's a ton of yeah. shit. Like during that exact time period. And a lot of those people were Nazi scientists that mm-hmm. were drafted. Well, uh, and we get into our, our German. Uh, yeah, he is a German. Yeah. yeah, we know where he came from. Yeah. Fucking dickhole. Uh, do you have the audio from that scene? Could you play that? From what scene? Oh, <laughs> now, 
It'll be too quiet. If you talk, I can. I can because I really it. enjoy. It was one of the. But so say other things. If you watch a movie with with us at any point in your life, I thought like, about that like a segment of like what we rewound. <laughs> you know, like shit, we rewound a bunch of times. You're like watching it, and the guy like chucks the other guy into a street sign or whatever, and we're oh like, my God. oh, <laughs> rewind. How many times did we rewind that one scene? Oh God, what was the? It was the. The one with the two cops and they, they chucked the guy into the fucking yeah. air. Oh my god, it was so or fucking Or even funny. Uh, Robert Duvall when he couldn't, <laughs> when he couldn't, couldn't fight. fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to find this. I just, had oh. a guy who went to slide across the hood. Oh and just my god, yes. <laughs> oh, that was Silver Pants with the terrible slide right into the so ground. you would like a section on that. I would like a section on that because I think that's a fun thing that, that happens and an experience Although, that I hope people... Uh, so Take often that. it's visuals, though, and not audio. Yeah, no, it's true. It's yeah, true. all of this is like electric dreams, or there's that, that monkey guy. <laughs> Didn't you make it into an Instagram video? Yeah, but I'd have to find it. Well, that's okay. We can come back. Maybe just try to get it queued up for the next one. And we'll, uh... Man, you're probably asking yourself, but where will it fit me? Would my wife be probably taking care of? Bye. <laughs> yeah, he's like Christopher walking, walking all over this movie. A lot, and, and, yeah. and, and that is fun, so I understand mm-hmm. that, that you know, you're not going to get a lot of early walk-in, and this is one of them. And yeah. I think I would recommend the movie at least for that and the character actors that are in it. But it's um, like that Bat movie that we talk about oh, yeah. all the time where you have a good premise and they just kind of like take a bit of a poop yeah yeah i did like but less of a poop than that bat movie yeah i I liked that they had at least a like a conversation about the ethics of this and then talked about how shitty the 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 army was and all all that stuff was was fine and good um yeah so uh any other memories (laughs) i mean there's not a lot that sticks out and there's some that has just been removed from from my brain for for reasons that we already mentioned. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's not. I mean, it starts off with with there. There should be a couple warnings on this film, right? Because you get there is a sexual assault rape scene, and then there is a domestic uh, assault scene in the beginning, which is why he gets sent off to the fucking mind snatchers uh, asylum. Um, so behave. You don't know where you're going to get sent. That's right. He thought he was going to jail, but he's like... Just be decent because you should be decent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't really like... go into... It's just one of those things where, like, someone could look at these people's brains and, you know, you know, figure out psychologically something to do, but it's just that jack-off machine. Yeah, he, he just built a button. <laughs> a, a, he, and he puts a wire in your brain somewhere that he sends radio signals to that make you fucking come. Uh, and Which this, is going to help you fighting... The enemy, how? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, we have to fix our problems any other way but dismantling patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Can't do that. So we got to figure something else out. What else could we do? (laughs) Yeah. What if we just gave him a button that they just press and just nut it in their pants over and over? It is like a silly one button kind of thing. It is. There's no subtlety to it. Mm. Yeah, if you like the concept, uh, Jacob's Ladder is for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am ready to score this. I think I know right where I'm going to land. Do it. 6-5.
I would say seven, but as a, a movie fan, 70s movie fan. Yeah. And like, you know, wanting to, you know, the whole thing we keep talking about, or if you're a fan of the genre and you want, or a fan of these actors. Mm-hmm. And as a Watkin movie, yeah. I think you could actually score this way higher just because you're going to see him in a different kind of role, but he's doing the thing he does with the role, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, but also like, you know. Uh, a little bit higher for watching with friends and maybe just watching once. And also, you know, you don't have to watch this. You don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Non-essential 70s film. I I think I I will I will give it a thumbs up, but just barely. <laughs> well, all right then. That's you. Hey. We're moving on to the car. This is our only uh, early 70s movie, 72, and then we're like 77, 77, 78, 78, 79. So we're late 70s a lot this bunch. That's right. Uh, Ashes, you're doing the car for us. Boy, howdy am I. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off with uh, this guy. This scores in at IMDb at 6.1. And we only paid a dollar for it. Yeah. And it was on the employee shelf at Movie Madness. I feel like a dollar was about right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> our director here is Elliot Silverstein, uh, 1927 to motherfucking November 2023. Motherfucker just died. Hmm. Uh, you would recognize his work from A Man Called Horse, Nightmare hmm. Honeymoon, and four episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Our writers for this are Dennis uh, Shayrak, uh, Michael Butler, Lane Slate, which I don't, I didn't look at their shit because I was like, these are all made up names. It's probably one person. You did not need three fucking writers for the car. I'm so uh, sad that that's when you have your nightmare, a honeymoon nightmare. That I sucks. know, that's a terrible time for it. Honeymoon's supposed to be fun. <laughs> All right, this stars James Brolin, born 1940. You would recognize him from Westworld, Capricorn One, also Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but also, also, Josh Brolin's dad. Yeah, his son, who played Harvey Milk in That's Milk. Right. That's right. Kathleen Lloyd's also in this. She was born in 1948. You would recognize her from Skateboard the Movie. Soror- oh, that just got put out on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Sorority Kill and Takedown. Plus, she is in a shit ton of TV. Just a metric shit ton. It's really impressive. John Marley is also in this. 1907 to 1984. You would recognize him from The Godfather, Love Story, and Hooper. He had 176 uh, acting credits. All right. Let's get into this. Who the hell was he in the car? Uh, He is the first sheriff. Sorry, folks. I'm eating. You're not supposed to. He's the the sheriff who, who gets hit by the car. Okay. He's the one who actually gives a shit that there's domestic violence happening in the town. Hmm. Um, and is handling it badly, but at least cares. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a weird movie about a small town that is attacked by a car from hell. A small town that, is, that not much happens in is shocked when a string of hit-and-run attacks take place. First some cyclists, and then a cowardly hippie who wants to stand up to the wife-beating racist, but then decides he'll pass, only uh, to then be run over by the car. One thing uh, that is funny about the evil car is that it loves killing. Just loves it. We know this uh, not not just because it does it a lot, but also because once it kills, it honks its horn in victory! (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty good uh proudly telling all who can hear that it's killed again 
The cops go to work trying to stop the car, but the car just starts mowing them down as well. We do learn, though, that when it tries to kill uh, the marching band kids, that it's unable mm. to enter the hallowed ground of the graveyard, strongly alluding to the true evil nature of the car. The other thing that we learn is that the car hates to be made fun of and holds a grudge. Finally, the town cops, uh, which there appears to be more cops in this town than there are townspeople, come up with a plan to kill the car and do it by turning uh, the wife-beating racist, Hick, into a hero who brings the dynamite to blow up the car back to hell. Yay! I figured it out. How to enjoy this movie. Just have you talk about it. <laughs> because the way you talk about it, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> the hell and demons and the, the hitchhiker guy. I forgot about the hitchhiker guy. Yeah. And that scene where he tried to save, uh, you know, um, the guy's wife from the guy. Tried to save is an exaggeration of the effort that he put in there. No, not in the beginning. <laughs> he, he showed up and then kind of wandered off, right? <laughs> He's like, hey, don't do that and he's like i'll come kick your ass he's like i'd rather you not actually why don't you just you know i'm gonna play my horn he's like don't play it too loud or i'll kick your ass he's like okay i'll just put it away <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like the idea of it and you talking about it i think we're better than this film i've got i wrote way too much other facts about this that i can share um so things of note the car costs eighty-four thousand dollars to build, which I assume includes all four versions of the car. Three were used as stunt uh, vehicles for this movie, and then the fourth is for all the close-up shots. And like everything I read on it was like, and that fourth car is in a private collection today. I'm like who gives a shit? <laughs> um, <laughs> the private collector. According to the director Elliot Silverstein, the distinctive song song sound the. Uh, the horn of the car makes spells out the letter X in Morse code. Um, which I thought okay. was interesting. Uh, the NBC, ep the, let me start over. Uh, NBC edited for TV version of this film includes additional scenes uh, to pad out the movie due to the need for commercial breaks. The aforementioned uh, additional scenes were during the cemetery standoff between the school band and the car. Uh, the part where Lorraine is insulting and taunting the car is longer, and there is a short dialogue between her and her friend uh, Margie, planning on how one of them will run out and escape to call for help. It was heavily edited, edited for violent content, though, and in particular the scene where the car goes into a barrel roll over the two oncoming police cars was totally removed, what? leaving the first-time viewers in a major continuity problem. Uh, other parts removed include the quick scene where the hitchhiker is shown being uh, thrown through the air after being hit by the car, and later on the car blasting through the front window of the house is slightly altered. Okay. Are you just reading IMDb? No. <laughs> yes. uh, I, did, I did more digging than just IMDb. Oh, oh, very much. oh my God, uh, Snooty McBooty. Uh, <laughs> <Knight> <laughs> you Rider, love this movie. Knight Rider also... Uh, took some of the scenes and effects and sounds from this movie and used it in three different episodes. Uh, and this movie starts off with a uh, quote from the Satanic Bible and the late Church of Satan leader, Anton LaVey, is acknowledged as an uncredited technical advisor from the film. Uh, yeah, see, all that's cooler than the movie. <laughs> all of that is cooler uh, than yeah. the movie. The official Almost all of it. Right, Razzie, One of those facts was... 
movie guide lists mm. the car as one of the hundred most enjoyable bad movies ever made, which I think gives it too much credit. Yeah. Is it maybe 100 on that list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Still too much credit. Not to jump the shark, but I like laser blast more than I like the car. Uh, me too. Now, what you yeah, were saying is, is interesting because I watched a lot of these as a kid on TV. Mm-hmm. And Halloween, the Halloween version that cut out, you know, the boobs and, and the stabby stabby uh, and added shit was amazing, which is why I have the laser disc that has those added scenes. And the Warriors, I remember all these added scenes. And I might have seen this. It's also funny, like, seeing this stuff as a kid, uh, that's such fantasy. And the, the, the police uh, officers or whatever, everybody, they take it, the town or whatever, they take it seriously. And, you know, they're dealing with this thing and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's a fantasy. But I thought that when I became an adult, that shit like that would happen. And, and <laughs> nothing so as exciting as a demonic car has yet to show up. <laughs> uh, do you remember the one cop who immediately turns to drinking, who, who was like a terrible alcoholic and then like his neighbor kid dies? He's a, he's a cyclist and immediately oh, is yeah. like just chugging booze. <laughs> no. And he's the reason why... I the... don't, sorry, I don't really remember a lot of this, That's except okay. like the ending. And I was impressed that they came up, the way that they came... Oh, God, now I'm remembering. The shitty guy... That's that's uh, that the hippie's trying to defend is shitty to his wife. He's the dynamite guy. He's the dynamite guy. Yes. Yeah. Their crazy plan to kill the car and that. Sorry, folks. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, does it work? Do they leave room for a sequel? There is, there is like, a sequel to this. Oh, stop. Yeah, it's like, but it's, it's like, like in the eighties. Say it's in the eighties. Say it's in the eighties. Twenty years after. Okay, good. It's like two thousand six or something. Well, that, no, that's oh. what I'm saying. Meaning we don't have to review it. We do is not. What I'm saying. Oh yeah, correct. <laughs> and one of the guys who's in this plays a part in that, but not the part that he was he played before. I'm like, finally, I can play the part I wanted to play. <laughs> also, there's some confusing choices made. So are here? Are, yeah. In the car? I know. It's it's almost who would think. But uh, the what's his dick? Uh, James Brolin's last name is Parent, and like there's all these moments through the movie where there's p- people need to find their parents, and it just gets really confusing. Obviously, for for silly, stupid reasons, and it's just like why would you why would you make that a thing? He's Parent. Do you remember more than I do about the parade? Because I'm remembering that maybe there's something of note in that. What was the parade for? So, and the car knows it and wants to kill a lot of kids, right? Yeah, so a couple things about the parade. Uh, the drunk is, they decide to cancel the, the, the parade thing. It's not actually a parade. They're, they're just, it's the band tr- doing their practice run or whatever. Oh. Uh. But it's a bunch of kids on the road. Yeah. Lined up for slaughter. Um, yeah, it's like marching band practice. Yeah. But the the drunk guy forgets to uh, go and tell them, hey, you can't do it today because we're worried about the car. Isn't, isn't it like the main guy's wife or something? Is she a music teacher? Or yes, something? she's the main music teacher. Hey! It's uh, in my brain. And it's not his wife. They're not married yet. And he's trying to figure out, how am I going to get my two daughters to accept this person who I've been seeing and Mm. who they love as uh, uh, their stepmom or whatever? It's a a dumb side plot, B plot, that is just... I remember that I liked her, though. Yeah, she's nice. 
And not a terrible actor. She does a pretty good job with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some terrible actors in this. Uh, what? Yeah, the the drunk cop being one. Uh, not our not our John Marley though. That dude showed up for this and got his check and got the fuck out after getting hit, uh, which was great. Are you gonna mention Cox? No, he's in it. He's the drunk cop. Okay. Yeah. You say he's not good? No, he's terrible in this. Ronnie Cox. <laughs> he's the one who's the dad in Taps. <laughs> He's the one who does the the remake of the, or the the sequel to this. What Ronnie Cox is amazing. I just got through talking about how amazing Ronnie Cox is. I mean, he's fine in this. Yeah, he got his check. And <laughs> how dare you? Got his check and got out. One nice thing I'll say about it is oh. at least there was uh, speaking roles for native women. There was, mm-hmm. and getting to speak in like native language too. Yeah, that was actually really cool. And they were the wise ones who were like. Uh, dudes. <laughs> Demonic cars, dudes. Well, you get, you get, what, do they throw it in a ravine? What is it? There's something a lot more going on with this car than. than well, I like. liked it too that, like, she's like, hey, I saw there was no driver in that car, and this, like, I don't know, it's like some old demon shit. I'm, I'm out of here. And, <laughs> and, like, I'm leaving town. We're gone. And, and then she lives and doesn't have to deal with it at all. She's like, fuck this. Which I like, but yeah, there's three native actors in this film. But uh, uh, what I, can't, I don't think I I had credits for any of them. You want to rate it? Are you ready? What do you want to do? Yeah, I think. What did I rate this one? I think I rated it either a six or a five on the IMDb. I think I rated it as a six. I have no idea what I'm going to rate it. I'm not going to go seven. Yeah. Six. Six five six 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 for the demonic car yes <laughs> uh, higher if you're talking about it victory thumbs way up thumbs way down up. <laughs> did you thumbs up or thumbs down the mind snatchers I don't think you did I think you thumbs skipped up it. no I gave yeah. it I gave it just, just barely, barely a thumbs up uh, and this I gave a thumbs down you asked how they killed the car no I didn't <laughs> you did <laughs> do you do you, you, know, you really don't remember. Yeah, they throw a bunch of dynamite into a, a, a hole or something, and it's, it's they something. set dynamite dynamite up on the top of a ravine, and they how they get the car to go? They get they they the guy climbs the rope to the top of the oh, thing, stop. and the car drives up there to get him. They jumps mm-hmm. out of the way at the last. I'm closing second. my eyes to savor this description. Him and Ronnie Cox are mm-hmm. standing. And he's like, "Wait for it, let it get a little closer." And then they they jump apart, and then the car goes flying off the fucking cliff, and then lands on the thing, and then they blow it. I think it I up. remember defending Cox in this because you were talking about shitty acting, but maybe the character was just shitty like that. He was shitty, yes, but like it was. And I think I remember it, like trying to be that drunk all the time. And maybe it was a choice he made. <laughs> I think he's a very good actor. Maybe he doesn't. I didn't say he wasn't. When a good I actor. meet him, <laughs> you're gonna ask him about his acting you. choices. Okay, this movie wasn't so serious, but we're moving on to something very serious. Hey, Julia, oh, 1977. Yeah. It's you because we're going uh, alphabetical. The car and Julia. We're Jay, going alphabetical. And C. Well, no, just by year. Within the year, we go off. Oh, oh, I see. You see? You see? I see. I had not I anticipated that. I know. <laughs> well, pause we're, it. We're trying to like give you pat patter over the top. I wasn't. I oh, recommended right. a professional pause. Well, I can still do that, but you're probably going to be there by the time we get there. It's fine because you took too long. All right. 
Julia is a 1977 film written by Lillian Hellman and Alvin Sargent and directed by Fred Zinnemann. Uh, Jane Fonda plays a Jewish playwright recruited to smuggle money into Nazi Germany to her lifelong best friend, Julia, played by Vanessa Redgrave, who is Yay. hoping to rescue Jews with it. She makes the drop, but Julia is murdered. Uh, okay, so... Jason Robards. Uh, there's, like, there's like a lot of controversy to this film. Really? Um, yeah, so... One... The film claims, or originally, claimed to be based on a true story. However, um, and, and, and that true story happening to Lillian Hellman. Um, so, however, sources later revealed that Hellman had claimed another woman's story for her own and uh -oh. dramatized it for her book. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I like, I read all this. It's very interesting. This woman, not even her friend. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> who is like, like this woman who is like renting from a friend of a friend. Or oh my God. She's like, like met her at a so dinner party like, or something. Was like, tell me your story. Never met her. Never even met her? Just heard the story, you know, like third, fourth hand or whatever. Oh my God. And then, yeah. Wrote you guys want to hear a true story that happened to me? Allegedly. <laughs> Uh, so, like, the director strongly disavowed her in the aftermath of the scandal. Lawsuits followed, but never resolved due to her death. Oh. Um, Spicy. But, yeah, the, uh, the, director the, woman who, the woman who had actually happened to um, ended up coming forward and was like, no, this is, this is my story, and she sued her. And <laughs> hmm. Um. And then also, so Vanessa Redgrave used her Oscar speech for Julia to pledge to fight anti-Semitism and fascism and, just about in the same breath, took a jab at Zionists for bullying her activism against their genocide of Palestinians. <laughs> we watched it. It was awesome. It wasn't the Oscars, though. It wasn't? It wasn't? No. Oh, everything I read or said it was her Oscar speech. Golden Globes or something, I thought. Oh. Hmm. Wow, hmm. And got booed. Well, uh, they yeah. were, um, which bothered you, or you were more shocked by it than I was. I just, yeah, I just don't see, hear folks get booed very often in those moments. <laughs> She's awesome, though. Um, they called her Vanessa the Red. The Red. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you help also, her down? Also, it was Meryl Streep's first film. Yay! And yeah. she was very nearly cast for the part of Julia, uh, except for she wasn't known enough and had never done film before. Hmm. And then final fun facts, uh, the woman who is sitting pensively in the boat in the beginning and the end scene is actually Lillian Hellman. Mm. Oh, huh. Disco. Did they, did they sink that boat? Is that what happened? Is that what happened? <laughs> I know how to resolve these. Get in that boat. Uh, Vanessa the Red is awesome. Jane Fonda is awesome. Yep. I love this movie. Yeah, it's really an interesting f film. Uh, I knew nothing about it going in and uh it was a it was a fun watch it was an interesting watch and it was a perspective on a lot of this that i had never seen before the rich person's perspective on dealing with the holocaust <laughs> finally <laughs> i don't think she's super rich she she's some money. mega rich yeah no julia I don't think she was mega rich. They she have had like some money. huge castles Julie. and shit. Yeah, hmm. Julia is like old money rich. Hmm. Um, 
Okay, I'm thinking Lillian. about money that she made from her play. I don't oh, that's think not she Julia. made a lot. Yeah, that's not Julia. That's Lillian. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia so, is Vanessa. So Lily... Yeah. But she used her privilege. I mean... I'm not saying she didn't. Yeah, and she's super anti-fascist. The most anti-fascist... She's also made up. Well, I mean... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Movies are made up. It's a great story. <laughs> It is a great, it is a great story, and I liked it's it. It's showing you, you know, positive aspects, you know, even though she pays with it for it with her life, but she stepped up in the right way. It's an amazing movie. I, I was really sad that the kid didn't make it, though. I really wanted to, her to have the, get find the kid in, yeah. in the end, and it was this sort of funny, like, sad anic, like, yeah, sad anecdote. Like... Uh, Sally goat. <laughs> sad anecdote at the end. Sad, sad anecdote. I don't know. That's yeah, good. I wonder how much of the making words, like the the part with the baby, like was it. just like Lillian's imagination, and how much of that was actually mm-hmm. the real person that it happened. Yeah, to. I don't know, but it was it like it was a weird way of just like sort of leaving that. Yeah, just weirdly hanging, just like. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna like give you this baby, and then the baby's like, "Nah, I'm never showing. I didn't get cast." Sorry, it didn't work out. It would have been like a really good like uh, way to circle that story up, though, where you know she raises her friend's child or whatever. So if you're making up the stuff, like just keep going. You're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, there's some weird interactions with her and the baby. Oh, but then does she doesn't have a baby? So yeah, no, I I, I get that. Like, <laughs> just gotta explain that. <laughs> I just meant from the movie's perspective, not from her. I understood why she made that, you know, if she was right. making that up. But like, she she did lead the, like, the director and everybody else to believe that it was a true story. So. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean... They it, didn't find out that it wasn't until after the movie had come out, and, like, and then people were like, hey, wait a minute. It, I mean, it is a compelling story of, a, like, a society person who'd rather not be involved in shit, all of a sudden, like, finding themselves in that moment, and, like... Making the right choice and being like, yeah, I'll smuggle your fifty fucking thousand dollars or pounds or whatever it was in the all that stuff was case. done well. When we watched it, the two of you were like very upset at at, at Lillian being like, "Be better at this." I, mean, <laughs> I think it successfully shows like she wants to do the right thing. She's not good at it. She'd She's rather be writing plays, but, but she she loves her yeah. friend very much. She wants to help her friend. Right. Maximilian fucking Shell is in this from Man in the Glass Booth. So yeah. there's like cool people that wanted to make this film and have it be put on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. Jason Robards, you didn't even mention, he's kind of like, his character's silly. He's not that, he's competent, but, yeah, but not mentioning him is fine. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Yeah, the men, the men in the story just aren't. Needed? Aren't especially. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of thrown <laughs> in there and I think that the story could have done without. Yeah. It's weird B plot um, shit. I mean, I I understand that maybe you know for whatever you could reason, have them there, in but the they memoir, didn't need... like they're in the story, but like for the film, you could have just left them out. Mm-hmm. But or I guess just they were like, well, we can't just shorten have a their movie roles without men. Yeah, you could have them there and just shorten their roles because I mean, what I like about the movie would have benefited from having more of what I liked about the movie, focusing on the two of their Lillian and Julia's relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Was like, I agree. Mm-hmm. that there's just it kind of um it feels like a different movie is happening that's unnecessary that's never really resolved never goes anywhere and it's like why <laughs> i mean he pushes her to write 
I guess. Kind of. Yeah, but it's we not don't really that... care about that because that's not what the story ends up ultimately being about. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, like, you know, she's doing this, and then she did make a choice to leave that world to help her friend. But any of us who have friends we care about would have probably done the same thing. So we don't really need it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. And that I'm, I'm fine yeah, with it. I mean... It just was too... Too much of it, maybe. Yeah. It, and when we wanted more scenes of what was going on with Julia, and we don't get it, just, you know, we saw her attack a room full of fascists and she lost her leg. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's weird that we've we seen more so... of the development of that. And, and, and just in a movie I really liked, and I'm going to score pretty high, it's funny that it starts off with this bizarre relationship with, with her and her husband, boyfriend. I don't know what he, their yeah, designation like is. Let's just say mentor like long, and feel better. A long time <laughs> mentor slash lover. But like, like age inappropriate. She is so like emotionally like exhausted and like fed up with him in so many scenes and, and just like carries all this and it's useless. Yeah. And you just walk away feeling like nowhere. Yeah, like what, what <laughs> like, the hell was that? that? <laughs> just these weird constipated scenes of her just raging. And I mean, you could show. I mean, and they do show her being really frustrated as a writer, which mm. was okay. I mean, because I guess we're following her story and like her triumphs and failures and whatnot. But it's not ultimately needed for the the most yeah, important portion I mean, of it. They could have portrayed her time away from like apart from julia in a different way like just they could have just started at like her like they you know they show their childhood and you know julia going off to college in europe or whatever and they could have just put something else in there to show the space between them that had grown and then you know maybe focus more on her like you know, becoming successful as a playwright or whatever, and then which they show. We the just didn't need like, the robots so much this, of the robots. Like, I liked thing. her learning how to write and and you know becoming more of an adult and focusing and I thought that was all done really well. I just didn't. I was left feeling weird about what he was saying as motivation. I was like, ah, are you good at this? You know, right. he was a little more like. You know, okay, boomer or okay, greatest generation or whatever. Yeah. The movie takes place whatever fucking generation comes before that. It was like, I I liked her dedication to what she was doing, and I I, I wouldn't get rid of those scenes. I agree. I would probably scale down. I liked the scene where she threw the typewriter out. There His role, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. Nice. She yeah. was punk, and I would I would have liked a lot more scenes. Maybe not a lot, but if more scenes with her and the difficulty she was having, like between her friends, where she was like, "Okay, I've decided to do this thing, and I'm going to engage." And like, it's 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 really quick the handoff there, where she decides that she's going to do it, and then kind of gets stuck yeah, in these awkward. She has to say hello. Yeah, and and <laughs> it just what I mean. That was just from a, a perspective of a, like a society person who is like has no experience and is going to dip into this, this world of uh, uh, resistance or whatnot, it would have been fun to have a little bit more there. Yeah. I mean, that said, it still would give us a 8.5. Yeah. I, it, 
<laughs> That's exactly where I was going, A5. Well, I know, you right. I want to read you what the director ended up saying about her. <laughs> <laughs> about who? Lillian. Oh, Fonda? No, not Fonda. The actual Lillian Hellman. Oh. Hellman. Wrote the you know alleged memoir. Yeah. And partially wrote the film. Uh, so Fred Zinneman said... Lillian Hellman, in her own mind, owned half the Spanish Civil War, while Hemingway owned the other half. She would portray herself in situations that were not true. Mm. An extremely talented, brilliant writer, but she was a phony character, I'm sorry to say. <coughs> My relations with her were very guarded and ended in pure hatred. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's how you feel. Are you going to rate this? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. <laughs> ended in Pure hatred. <laughs> Jesus. I love it. Yeah, this is good. I, you know, it was on the list for showcasing for years, and I was like, well, we're doing more reviews now, and I was like, eh, let's just review this. No, I think that was the right decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm questioning it, but I'll live. <laughs> so uh, next up, we got uh, you again with Lady of the House, Diane Cannon. Fuck yeah. All right. This was a made-for-TV movie that we watched. Yeah, I I wrote this movie down as Sally Stanford. I don't oh. I, I don't know why I thought that was the title of this movie. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dist and dismissed. Whoops. <laughs> Bye. Okay. In this 1978 film, the fierce Diane Cannon Woo. plays Sally Stanford, a real-life madam who becomes a mayor. Uh, directed by Ralph Nelson and Vincent Sherman, written by Sally Stanford, with help from Ron Coslow. Uh, the film tells her story of coming up from podunk poverty in Oregon, building her way on bootlegging. Oh, that's right. Uh, she tries her hand at being a wife in California, but then is rejected mm. when he discovers the former source of her wealth. Uh, she starts an honest hotel business as a single mother, but is framed by police when she refuses to bribe them, then rebuilds her wealth again on opening a cat house for the rich. That goes, then goes honest again by opening a restaurant only to be cheated by a corrupt city hall, so she runs for office and wins. This is based off a real thing. Yep. This is based off of a true Woo! story, yes. Sally? You really existed. And you wrote this movie! Mm-hmm. I really loved how the people that she met and, you know, stuck up for during her life were friends for her entire life. And next to her yeah. for her yeah. entire life. Yeah, I like that, too. I, yeah, I love that. She well. brought people in and was like, we're tight-knit, we're fighting together. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to make it if I make it. She didn't <laughs> pull up the ladder behind her. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot she, this started. She gave in, people a hand up. <laughs> yeah, that this started in Baker, Oregon. Hmm. Yeah, which <laughs> we're going to visit. Which is really no. fucking nowhere. We're still going. There Why would we there. go to Baker, Oregon? This movie. I've been to Baker, Oregon. I have not. Times. I've been to a religious compound in Baker, <laughs> Oregon. I have. <laughs> I have seen all Grand Baker has to yeah, offer. Do the thing like the is. comedian. The religious compound in Baker, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's meth labs as far as the eye can see. Yeah. The, and gas the, stations. The, bootle the bootleggers just changed what they make. <laughs> That's right. Although in this, we don't. She's not really bootlegging at that point in this. She's just 
a girlfriend who gets who has to end up doing time because her shitty boyfriend who is like, come marry me. And by marry me, I mean, fuck me. So that like we can have sex. Cause you don't want to have sex when before marriage. Cause they were oh, yeah. bootlegging she in the She was, she was bootlegging and she was yeah. the one who was in charge of the operations and like literally brewing up. Oh, they do not in the tub and say that at I all. I got that. Yeah. yeah. They no, do. they say it later when she moves to California. No, in, in the Baker, beginning. She, no, they show her. They do not. They literally oh, show they her. Do. Okay. I'm going to pause this. We're going to watch the No, ba- we don't need to watch it. That is fine. later in California. Your timeline no, is beginning. No. Oh, my God. So the first time she gets She's in just trouble. chased. The first time she gets in trouble is because of a, of a boyfriend who gets into trouble and she refuses to rat on him. Yes. Um, but when she gets out, she then has to have something to do. Don't correct me and by agreeing learns, with me. She learned, but she doesn't go to California to do that. She does that still <laughs> in the middle of fucking nowhere. No, she does that. It's Cal- not until she does that in she, San Luis Obispo. She goes <laughs> off with that with her rich boyfriend to Sausalito. Yeah, Sausalito. I just... I Diane can't, Cannon made for TV movie fight! All you're doing is agreeing with me by telling me I'm wrong. And I don't understand it at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Folks, you need to watch Lady of the House, 1978. Yeah. <laughs> and report back. Fight about it in your own homes. <laughs> oh, uh, made for TV movie, loved it, but uh, the makeup was silly. Yeah. It was like made for TV movie makeup. You know what's funny? They got an award for makeup. That's the only award that they got for the whole movie was was best most innovative makeup. Oh <laughs> my god! Which I god. was like, I would have what? handed out a lot of awards for this movie, and none of them would be makeup. All right, my award for this movie would have been least amount of sex workers in a movie about sex workers. Yeah, because we only really get one, and she's not a sex worker employed by Sally Stanford. Hmm. And who is I it? I mean, there is the scenes with all the. You sex mean the actors? There's the, good people. They in show this. her. I mean, there's okay. So she gets framed. Yes. With the fabulous Miss Tyrell. Yes, um, Susan Tyrell, baby. Yes. I would date her and hate every minute. But then she oh. actually does open a cat house. No, I know. And, and all actually, those scenes are like silhouetted ladies girls. like walking around with like high-end dudes. You don't see like... I mean, you don't see sex scenes, I guess. You don't even see like, like flirting or like the, the classic TV. sort yeah, of... Do. I disagree. I, I, mean, I disagree with like you on every point in this film. <laughs> And it, you weren't even assigned it, so you didn't spend that much time with it. Hey! <laughs> well, I guess that, that proves your point. Here come cats. Uh, I gave this movie an 8 on IMDb, but in reality, I would give it like a 7, 6. Yeah, I think 7. Yeah, I gave five. it a thumbs up. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, I like... It's just weird. There's um, whatever there is, uh, prejudice or whatever on made TV movies, but we've been watching a lot of made for TV movies that really have, have broken that, that myth. A lot of times it wasn't so much that it was just something extra, you know, like some shitty bonus tracks on a record. It was uh, something where they couldn't 
they wouldn't, you know, it, something they could get under the radar, kind of like a Star Trek situation. Yep. Where they, they got some information out there, like uh, Green Eyes is like yep. one very, of the yeah. best 70s movies I've seen, and it was a made-for-TV movie. Okay, quick, quick, because I wasn't assigned to me and I don't know anything about it. What was the reason that she ran for, for City Hall? What permit was she denied? God, it was like you building know. a I deck or something like that. Correct. <laughs> she, she did not get her permit to get, to build a deck on her restaurant. But it was also one of those where, you know, in the world of men, she was like, you know, coming up against a lot of this, this oh, bullshit. I'm, I'm not saying that her reason and was so invalid. she was like, well, I mean, if you just hear it, I want to be on the deck. And it's like, <laughs> well, and I'm she, telling you people, Diane Cannon's cool. Yeah, she movie's is. cool. It's a very mm-hmm. good movie. I liked it. So, are you ready to move on? I am. To the mighty Laser Blast. Laser Blast. <laughs> I need a soundboard with some laser sounds on it. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Snare drums all over it. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. Uh, I will begin. Oh, I thought you had your finger up. You're like, what? You're like wait, wait. Moment. One, one mm-hmm. question, please. No, my mic just got. Woo! Uh, I wrote while we were talking about the car is that these people are just, like, absolutely elated about, like, getting to, like, work with dynamite and shit. So there is this thing about, like, wanting to blow shit up and explosions. They just, people love it. Yeah. And there was literally no internet, so, I mean. <laughs> and like I said, when I was a kid, uh, we would get, like, Starlog magazine, and we would have information about movies that we were too young to see. And I was like, the how this movie was built up so much in my head is, is hilarious. <laughs> you just see that gun and pictures of, oh, this looks like it's going to be the best movie I've ever made. I can't wait till I'm 18. I and I can see it. Blast. <laughs> uh, when robot or android Ian Holm in Alien is asked about his love for the xenomorph, his response is... Oh, I'm not on my game. I'm sorry. His response is... I I admire its purity. Oh. Good starting point for my feelings on this film. Not (laughs) unlike the mighty Stunt Rock, 1978, (laughs) Laser Blast gives us what was promised in the premise. Stunts and rock. Lasers and blast. Yeah, we do get those. Enjoy 85 full minutes of a kid with a cool laser rifle who is positively thrilled at blowing shit up. Oh, but it delivers so much more. Here's my pretty great synopsis from memory. Uh, Mostly because it's easy. Uh, Billy Duncan, played with admirable purity by Kim Milford, is a stoner living in L.A., in the L.A. area in the 70s, who doesn't appear to have a job or be in school. However, it could be summer break. We don't know. Billy likes to lay in the sun with his partner, Cheryl Smith, played by Kathy Farley. More on Kim and Kathy soon. Billy does not want to go to parties, even though there's a pool. Big whoop. Every place has a pool. And he was right not to go. These asshats are killing his vibe at best and sexual assaulty at worst. One of them is Eddie Deason of War Games and Grease. And Grease too. <laughs> and Zapped. And Punky Brewster. And Critters too. <laughs> this is his first movie appearance. Billy and Kathy escape with the help of a tennis racket, but not without injury. 
and Billy was also hassled by the stoned hick fuzz earlier, and poor Kathy, she's just wanting to be at a party. Also, Billy was kept from Kathy by a general, but let's move on, because you already know the plot. Lasers, underlined, and blasts, <laughs> underlined. Why even bother? Billy is taking some space from it all out in the desert when he stumbles upon some, you guessed it, alien technology. Oh yeah, pull the pod car over, dot, 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 dot. Our film starts with some alien military security or cops killing a Jim Carrey's mask-looking vampire person and then taking off. But, oh, they were high, like the damned <laughs> hit cops because they left the damn laser weapon and cursed vampire mask medallion on a pre-warp society. <laughs> Huge prime directive fail. Yeah. Which they will get reprimanded for later. <laughs> Maybe the next scene. <laughs> Billy is posing with his cool gun and eventually gets its pew pew, boom, boom, boom. Uh, his medallion influence self gets vengeance on the sickos at the party, one of which is doing the grease thing of supposedly being high school age, but looking in his 30s. <laughs> I looked him up, and the only info on him is that he played Chuck in Laser Blast. <laughs> That's it. Also, his friends. Um, uh, also, friends. Oh, also, friends, I guess. Billy might have found the gun before the party. No emails, please. Kathy and Billy are chilling, and Kathy says, Whoa, your chest, dude. The medallion leaves an infection or um, burn or some toxic residue. I don't know. Something, and Kathy urges Billy to get the shit checked out. Enter Roddy McDowell. <sighs> Yay! Uh, who gave his nerd, nerd friends, what, a day at best. He plays Dr. Mellon. Roddy rules. He has 474 acting credits wow. on IMDb. He played Cornelius in Planet of the Apes, Caesar in Planet of the Apes, and Galen in Planet of the Apes, <laughs> the TV series. He lived from 1928 to 1998. He was gay. He was awesome in Fright Night, and we have much more of him to come. He treats Billy but is perplexed, and he takes a sample to the lab, and they figure out what we already know, that this shit is not from this earth. First rule of find a laser gun in the desert and become possessed by mask vamp medallion and blissfully blow up shit club. Uh, that is, you don't talk about find a laser gun <laughs> in the desert and become possessed by mask vamp medallion and blissfully blow shit up club. Uh, so the doc has to go. What's the end game here? Just blow shit up for as long as possible or world domination? Uh, we're going to need more laser guns and medallions. Okay, so of course, there's a handsome, classy-looking figure-it-out guy. He works with local law to nip this in the bud. He's like the OG X-Files. Uh, folks, I've seen this film many, many times, and I can't even recall how it ends. I just know the laser-blasting fun stops. He famously blows up the Star Wars billboard, and then the film crescendos with finale-worthy explosions and chaos. But does the classy guy end it? 
or the aliens. Let's say aliens. Classy guy don't have the means, you know. Billy blows up those shitty cops film over. And guess what, Ashes? Uh, Ashes said he'd make me, that's you, a laser blast gun. <laughs> yes. I did. Uh, so make me the laser blast gun. Ho, ho, hold the medallion. I don't want that. <laughs> You're getting a medallion. <laughs> Uh, here's a little info on Kim Milford and Cheryl Smith before we blast into discussion mode. First on the call sheet is Kim Milford, who was wicked talented. He was an actor, singer, songwriter, composer, and dancer. He started at age 10, and at age 17, he was in the original Hair. He was in the original Jesus Christ Superstar production, and he played Jesus and Judas at different times. Whoa. He was also in the original cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, wow. He played in bands, wrote music for TV and film. He had congenital heart defects, which required surgery throughout his life, and eventually took it. <laughs> On June 16, 1988, he, it was noted by someone that his love of partying probably did not help. He was 37 years old. Okay, Cheryl Smith, also known as Rainbow with an X. Whoa. At the end. We've seen her in Logan's Run and Up in Smoke. And we'll see her coming up in Farewell, My Lovely, 1975, Cinderella, 1977, The Choir Boys, 1977, and Melvin and Howard, 1980. She fronted the all-woman rock group, the L.A. Girls. She was the drummer... For The Runaways, she plays on the Cruising soundtrack and on Joan Jett's solo album. Fuck yeah. For a while, she had a son. Um, oh, she plays in The Runaways for a while. She had a son <laughs> at 19 in 1974, and sadly, her love of drugs and partying slash self-medicating, probably from some shitty Hollywood experiences, yeah. led her to an early death at 47 on October 25th, <laughs> 2002. Fuck, there's more. Laser Blast was written by Frank Schnatt and Frank <laughs> Ray Pirelli. Oh, sorry, Fran. Fran Schnatt and Frank Ray Pinelli, uh, a lady and a guy. Uh, they both wrote more 70s uh, B-movie scripts. So we see their words uh, magically come to life. Uh, at some point, we will see their words magically come to life at some point down the road. Finally, Laser Blast was directed by stunt person slash actor slash director Michael Ray. He plays police officer with an M16 in this movie. He directed only three movies, and this is sadly the only time we are with him in the director's chair. Hmm. And that's five whole damn pages on flipping Laser Blast. Discuss. <laughs> that was too much. I've had too much was, coffee for this. I wonder if she was the one of the runaways that was raped by the... No. Their manager guy. No. That oh, was the bass okay. player. Oh, okay. I mean, might have been too, but this is like after. But yeah, that was the, the bass player. I had no idea she she was so involved. That's really cool. Also, two young deaths. 37, 47? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was like the guy was, a, uh, they said allegedly the father was a member of the animals. What? Really? And the animals were like big in the 60s, and this is in the 70s, so it was probably, and she was, what, 19, 18? Mm -hmm. And it's just, when you're reading this, you're like, Hollywood's got to be a blame, to be blamed for a lot of this. Yeah. It's just probably something awful happened. All right, a little sideways, well, a very sideways. Laser blast! That. 
I can't believe that you didn't mention where Kim Milford's mom was going off to. <laughs> That's why you're here. Acapulco. Mom. When are you going to stop going to Acapulco? I did it in Corvette Summer. <laughs> can't say I didn't mention it. I mentioned it pre. We're past that. No, it's a good point. I'll some... stop going to Acapulco <laughs> when they stop inviting me to Acapulco. <laughs> It's, it's like a weird like Disney thing where a lot of Disney movies are about like these children that don't have parents. They immediately get rid of the mom. <laughs> There's never a dad. Yeah, never. <laughs> Which and is fine. It's funny because it, it it really I think is trying to make us feel sorry for him. Like, man, remember we're oh, watching man. it and you're like, you can buy your own macaroni. You're 18. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Let your mom go to Acapulco. <laughs> <laughs> your dad's obviously out of here and your mom's getting cool invites to go to swinger parties or something mm-hmm. like let her enjoy her life she's raised you till you're a man and now you have a van just <laughs> beat it go he, relax keep somewhere. going with that poem he does like to relax <laughs> he does like to relax the other thing he relax. really likes to do is act as though he does not give a shit about what his girlfriend is saying until she asks for receipts and she's like are you even listening to me he's like here let me perfectly repipe it to you and then she always rewards him with kisses what's going on oh i see there's a bike parade outside you got distracted (laughs) from the task at hand there's the world around us uh there's this movie is silly it's a lot of fun and I've never, I, I don't think I would have come up with the choice to enjoy laser blasting so much, but he does, and it's so Positively right. Positively thrilled. Just like, like <laughs> but there's underlining the stuff down. here. Is yeah. that, you know, is that alien influence? Is he, you know, possessed? He definitely gets possessed. Yeah. And then there's that. But thing he takes it out like, on his enemies. The medallion, kind like. Of. Not the doctor. The doctor is the alien's idea, I think. Makes like metal grow inside of him yeah. so maybe also do you remember what time he was going to go visit the pharmacy guy or the guy who was going to look at the the metal oh yeah midnight midnight i'll be there after midnight fuck you what? i'm an old man i'm gonna be in bed like i'll be yeah. in bed like four in hours the middle ago of nowhere it's not like you're doing like a fucking late shift at a hospital it's a fucking <laughs> clinic in the middle of the fucking podunk desert (laughs) (laughs) i would love a reboot yeah of laser blast where we can more deeply dive into these issues yeah because i understand why he blows up the people at the party chuck and the the but he doesn't well he does blow them up he tries well he he, he gives it uh, a double effort yeah double effort uh and the 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 shitty hit cops yeah i understand that and the doctor i think is because a part of him at least enjoys i mean he was he was positively thrilled to find the laser gun he's just sitting there playing with it before he puts the medallion on Mm -hmm. but i think the the alien influence is like you know if this doctor you know puts all this information out they're gonna take me away and you won't be able to have your laser fun time anymore (laughs) so we gotta kill him but like there's there's some some deeper sci-fi themes in this movie that are not really explored. You just keep blowing nope. stuff up, roll credits. <laughs> this gets like, what, a 2.8 on IMDb? <laughs> it's like higher than the Christmas special. 
I like this more than the Christmas special, but I love the Christmas special. It's apples and oranges. Uh, so to go back to how does this movie end, uh, this is one of the more funny... I mean, does he die? I don't want him to die. If he doesn't die, don't ruin it for me. One of the funny die, things about this is, is most of the movie is nowhere. We're just like in the fucking like dirty hills of, of fucking Del Rey or something like that outside of L.A. Some shitty surfer if, town if or whatnot. Close. We're going uh, to all these shooting locations. But then all of a sudden we're on a fucking... An obvious uh, Hollywood fucking oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, soundstage. soundstage where they have all these like mock-ups of buildings and he's blowing up goddamn he post sure office is. boxes and, and coffee uh, carts. Like, and somehow shit. he found an abandoned <laughs> urban ghetto. Yes, yes, and there's yes. No, there's no windows in any, any buildings. <laughs> there's no people anywhere. And then the fucking... The, the the handsome figure it out guy and his girlfriend roll up in a car and he runs at them and then the aliens from the top of the building shoot yeah, him claymation turtle guys but, and they weirdly they didn't they didn't vaporize him though they, they did vaporized the, the first guy but they well they did they the exact the opposite of what they did in the first with the first yeah. guy the first guy they vaporized the guy and left the gun in the fucking yeah uh, they were thing. like trainees or something i loved watching this with y'all because the <laughs> the middle scene where they get yelled at for what they did in the intro scene was all alien language and so yeah. and it was um you know mimed and shit so we you, you and you watching this can fill in your own dialogue yeah it's because he like shakes his finger at them why you fuck up like this you know like, <laughs> <laughs> you left the medallion and the gun jesus you had one job i mean i don't even care if you killed the guy bring the gun and the, the, the medallion back yeah prime directive <laughs> also uh, apparently the laser does not affect the, these aliens because they get shot several times and they're just like, who gives a shit? And then destroy the vampire face mask alien dude. Yeah. Uh, it's, I also really appreciate the, the level of care and thought that they put into the alien language, which mm. was like, they gave you no script, and you're just like, like <laughs> fill it, it in. Still sound, what you did was better than most Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? The power couplings? Sleuth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is a fun movie. Watch it high. <laughs> that says it. Um, I What did I give this movie? I was upset at the 2.8, but I would definitely... Give it a seven. I don't know why this needs a score because it's not a movie that like is. How dare you? No, I mean it's it's very much stunt rock. You you stunt nailed rock. it, which Thank is you. like it is it's it doesn't lie to you. It offers you one thing and it gives it to you, mm. and then enjoy it because what the fuck else are you gonna do? Am I gonna give this a nine? No. Um, does it deserve a five? Probably not because it is it. It's fun in the way that it's fun, but yeah, it's not a good movie. What about Funway when he blows up the Star Wars billboard? <laughs> Radical man! <laughs> in you a give minibus. Thumbs up. Painfully thumbs up. Yeah. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> Wrong. See, that's why you're too was, snooty. Was, <gasps> no, it was just. It wasn't 
quirky enough for me. Like, oh, it, it needed a little stars. bit more campy, silly. Like it needed just like a little more something. <sighs> this fine, to, it's fine, to noted. It Not for me. Thing. This movie <laughs> is done by uh, the MST3K folks, and yeah. that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, I had wanted them to, and then when they did, I was like, yes, fine. Yeah, if this was a movie like from from earlier when I said the Razzies gave it the top one hundred movies to mm-hmm. that that were shit but fun to watch, this movie might make that list for me. Oh, My definitely, we're gonna make a better list than yeah. that. Fuck you, Razzie. Serious time. The history of the Razzies is has a lot of that shit where shit people films were nominated for Razzies and they were just wrong. The um, vintage video pod people are are pointing that out as they painfully slowly go through the 80s it was like they did like 80 in like a year but like 81 has taken them like two and a half years and now they're finally through 81 and they say they're doing every major uh, film release but they're not but but that's fine it's a lot to do yeah uh so that was like you know fun silly movie and now we're serious again with Best Boy, 1979. That's you. Yeah. IMDb uh, scores this out at 7-8. Our director here is Ira Wall. Oscar-winning uh, director. Yeah. He has six <laughs> director credits, including Best Man, Best Boy and All of Us 20 Years Later, Best Sister, and Jay Leno and the American Dream. Stop. <laughs> Serious. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop. Uh, I thought this was this was really interesting. He had his first job in film working as an apprentice editor on Orson Welles' unfinished Don Quixote uh, in Madrid, Spain. He then made a number of short films uh, and worked on televi- the television se- series Big Blue Marble and worked with John Lennon on music videos and then made Best Boy. Uh, our writer here is Ira Wall. The stars Ira Wall uh, and his... Uncle Max, his Aunt Pearl, his cousin Philly, and also Zero Mostel. Uh, Hell yes. <laughs> who was born in 1915 and died in 1977. So let me do the math for you. He died during the making of this film. Um, He's so sweet in this. And he is really sweet in He's this. He's a treasure. You also see him, and then to find out that he died shortly after they, they filmed him, I don't think you'll be surprised. He does not look good. Well, it's also after the performance. He's like... <laughs> Yeah, but like he's on stage the whole time in that. I understand. Yeah. Just his hair is falling off. Billing. He's pouring sweat. Uh, you remember Zero Mistake? Also, working. just incredibly sweet. Very. In- it, just it makes you sweetest. almost sad that that like you know people didn't get to see that of him until after. But then also like that you know that's nice for his family to like. Right, see this really After sweet he's thing. Died, like, see I'm him sure doing, they already like, a knew. Really sweet thing. Yeah, but he was captured. Well loved, yeah. uh, you would remember Zero Mistel from Watership Down, The Hot Rock, <laughs> and The Producers. Um, on the roof. <clears throat> the play. And the movie. Is he in the movie? No. Because he didn't get a credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the movie. All right, shot over three years, Best Boy is an Oscar-winning documentary about the filmmaker's cousin, Philly, a 15-year-old, uh, 15-year-old, 51-year-old man uh, with a developmental disability. The film begins toward the end of his parents' life. Mm. The documentary is a discussion with Ira and his family about what will happen to Philly once uh, they either die or can no longer care for him. Best Boy chronicles the different options available to Philly in New York City uh, in the late 70s. His parents talk about how they placed him in an institution, but pulled him out when they saw the inhumane treatment that he was receiving. 
Ira helps the family look uh, at what other options are available and takes Philly out to see them, first going to a day-slash-learning facility, and then later moving to a group home. The film shows us uh, Philly starting to build a life for himself outside of his parents and the difficulties that this causes for him, but also his parents. Philly does eventually move out of his home and starts building those friendships and community on his own. This happens just in time as well, as, his, as first his father, then his mother's pass. His mother passes. Uh, just some information on this. Best Boy won the Oscar for Best Documentary in 1980. It beat out several films, including The War at Home, uh, which is a documentary that we have shown and I dearly love. Uh, the Oscar was presented by William Shatner and Persis Kambata, uh, which you would know from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Her vow of celibacy is on fire. It is. You can check. <laughs> uh, at the end of uh, Ira's two minutes acceptance speech, which is beautiful, um, a speech thanking his family, Shatner mocks Ira for taking too long by saying, gosh, I'm glad he didn't have any more family. Fuck you, Shatner. <laughs> Discuss. Uh, I just ordered a double record set of Shatner Live in <laughs> 1976 <laughs> on silver vinyl. Silver vinyl, baby. <laughs> they finally repressed it. And uh, not to jump the shark, but I gave this movie a 10. Yeah, this is a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a really good point in time film that captures sort of the the societal view change that was happening at that point, because this is sort of the beginning (laughs) of the end for institutions and in most of America. Yeah. Fucking massive social revolution for these folks. It really is. And there, but even he's at home too. And like, that's not really going great. Like him going to an institution, at least seeing other kids is almost a step up a little bit. No, 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 no. No, not the institution he was at before, but I'm saying... Yeah, this is... so. When, when he's at home... Yeah, you're right. Correct. The place that he's at that his dad takes him out of, which is funny because we didn't like his dad. We did not but like But I like that he did that. Old Max. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, and that, that must have taken that family so much courage mm-hmm. and love to do that because at that time, that was deeply frowned upon. Yeah. Like, those folks were not... Like, they weren't allowed to be out in society, so keeping your child home meant that, like, they were you home all the time. no longer had your own social life unless you could, you know, find ways to go out without your kid or whatever. And, well, like, it, and, it, and they were like, this is child abuse to keep your child home, even though what was actually going on in institutions was just unspeakable. Horrific. Abuse. And, yeah. like, the way he remembers it, but I think I asked you when they they take him home, they don't get any money from the government, then, do they? Oh no, no absolutely they have to pay The, for the opposite: the yeah. government is pressuring parents of that generation to put their children back into the which they would pay for, and that What's, that was the state solution. What's interesting yeah. is there's actually so at at that point there is a switch where the federal government had had been funding a lot of these larger institutions for a really long time. Um, And there is a switch in mentality at that point. And the federal government starts coming in and saying, this is really fucked up. You can't do this. You can't have things like that. But the state governments in most states really fought back against that. Um, 
and 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 argued that that institutions should last much longer. Um, and there are still states with institutions to this day. They're few and far between, but they are out there. Um, so that that history <laughs> and is. And they are bad. Yeah, they they're, are they're still terrible. Really fucking. Bad. In fact, what's really what's interesting to me is, and this goes to our larger like how terrible our Congress and Senate and just way that we pass bills federally is, the uh, the laws that fund developmental disabilities to this day are built off of institutional funding. So they still fund institutions, but all the states get waivers so that they no longer have to offer those services in institutions. Um, but they, they, you can't get people to ag like agree to make a new law. So they have to make all these like rule amendments to, to make a terrible law into something that will work, uh, through, through Medicaid funding. Now it's just, it's, it's preposterous that it's, it's this fucking difficult. Um, and that this history of torment and abuse is, is still lodged in law. Uh, and still reminded to people uh, every year when when they have to qualify for for their waiver status or their level of care in whatever state that they're they're residing in. Um, but this movie really does a fantastic job of capturing that social change, that understanding that folks with disabilities deserve better. That they're, they're they deserve to be in community and in public eye. Absolutely. And see, at this, uh, you also have things at this point where kids with disabilities don't have a right to go to school. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Philly, they, they mentioned, has never been to school. So we don't yeah. know... What he's capable of. Yeah, yeah, because, like, he was never offered a chance to, to learn these things outside of mm -hmm. the home. And while they obviously love him, they also don't... They're, they're exhausted. Oh, what were they? They were doing yeah, that they thing don't know how to... that you all pointed out where they're, they're, they're prompting answers or whatever, right? Yeah. They're leading him to answers. They're, they're, they always ask questions with the answer included in them. Like, you know, hey, do you want to go see this place that you love? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, did you say it was filmed over three years? We watch him like grow we and, do. and and develop and yeah, i feel like he does, he when does... he has access to education he... exactly mm -hmm. exactly he gets to go to school for the first time he gets to go to community centers and go do activities that he genuinely does love and mm -hmm. he identifies as what was the um the... although not all of his teachers were that great there was like one that it was like oh god how do you have this job you would never have this job today <laughs> well, no but no I, think, I think it's, it's really important to note at that time that there is most places like that don't receive federal funding mm -hmm. or or probably even state funding at that point so a lot of these people are volunteers or yeah. you know members of, of like church groups or things like that and this is their outreach right um, like we've we've seen in other films they're not yeah they're not trained yeah. professionals they don't have any kind of evidence-based practice because they don't have any of that kind of education we're funding even to, to come up with that education in yeah. most cases so we get to see those systems change right we get to see them enter the the public sphere as access points for people with disabilities to start learning to start lear learning social skills activities of daily living, behavioral uh, mm -hmm. supports, things like that. And then we get to see Philly move into his own home, which is a, which mm -hmm. is a group home that he shares with other people, but it's his. It's, yeah. it's not connected to his folks at all. This 
might not be available to most people in New York. His parents obviously had some money. Um, so, I mean, they might have been private paying all of this, um, which I think is an important analog to the other side of the, the Geraldo Rivera documentary, or not documentaries, but investigative reports he does on the New York institutions, institutions nearly yeah. at the same time. Um, so, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's the good counterpoint to that about what other things are possible, which Geraldo does too. He goes actually out to California and he looks yeah. at uh, a lot of the programming out there. Yeah. I, was I wonder how much the influence this film had on hmm. um, helping people it see that, the need for that change and change the way funding flows for that. To give it uh, the Academy Award, and then to, and then just in general, treating documentaries uh, better than they had been treated. Yeah. Uh, and then you had in Chicago, Siskel and Ebert, you know, <clears throat> Chicago and beyond. You know, their show was on cable at the time in other places, but like in the Chicago area, we religiously watched it, and and then it grew to add the movies. But I'm saying in 1979, this was on, I think, both of their best. It was. 10 best lists. And that's how it got on my radar. Uh, I was going to ask you that. Um, well, first of all, the director, you know, it's it's real. And this is a real relative of his. And it's mm -hmm. a, it's an interesting perspective. That, that uh, difficult conversation he has with the dad, is that it? He has a couple really difficult, but the one where he talks about where and then he advocates like so much. He he has, he says one of the most challenging lines that's what I I've think. seen I in a documentary to to, to, the, to uh, Pearl the mom right after Max dies because she's like lamenting the death of her husband, which obvious normal uh, grief, and she's talking about how even her, though it's kind of a butt. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't like him. But, I, you know, I, I get mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she's going on about her how her life's over. And Ira stops her and he's like, your life may be over, but Philly's is not. Why are you trapping him in this home? Why yeah. are you why do you think that he has to take over being your caregiver now? Mm -hmm. And man, that is a showstopper conversation for me, because it's one that uh <laughs> is incredibly difficult to have with, with families, um, is incredibly difficult for that time period. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's challenging in a way that I don't think people would even understand today. Um, it's good. It's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm trying to remember <laughs> which one I'm thinking of. And it was, he says it. He was like, I, I'm talking to you. I don't know if it's the mom or the dad. And I'm having this difficult conversation with you, and I need you to listen to me. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those. And I thought it was about, maybe it was that. I don't but know. He, what, he, but again, I need to see this movie again then. But he, uh, he does, I mean, the, the, the whole thing starts with him. No, it doesn't start with that. But uh, the, the conversation starts with him confronting them like, what are you going to do when you're, when, you know, you either die or can't take care of him any longer. What life is there for Philly right now if we don't start planning something? Yeah, that might be it, to, to plan for it. Mm-hmm. And then they go through the motions. They really do go out and, like, see what, what options are available. They get him in the habit of going on the bus with the guy to, you know, to go out and oh, yeah. be in the community. Ira takes him, takes him out to Coney Island, and they have, like, a, a fun time running around. And, you know, it's it's... 
things that you could almost throw away as just like normal family stuff, but it's not normal family stuff for him. He, he did not get yeah. to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's challenging and it's one of those films that, that will have trouble aging because it is more of a, uh, like There's a, context that doesn't exist anymore yeah. in the same way. The social pressures are, are not anywhere like that. I mean, the, the, the put your kid in an institution conversation doesn't exist today the way, or e- even partially in the way that it did then. It's just I mean, so I different. I would say it's aging badly, though. It's just there's other movies maybe you should watch with this. Like I mean, the one we did, Where's Molly? Where's Molly, yeah. Yeah. It would be like, an excellent one to watch alongside. I just mean it's more, it's, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just that, like, somebody today might watch that and and miss a lot of context that explains what's happening because it doesn't exist anymore. And if you weren't alive during that time or don't know that history, there's just there's no way you would know yeah. why that's happening or like what what kind of pressures those people are dealing with that lead them to make the choices that they're making. Your point's actually really good though that like if if someone today like if you're if you're under 30 probably don't watch this movie first watch where's molly first and then watch this movie um because you know take a class or talk to someone <laughs> or read a book you know yeah it's i think stuff that, that that people should learn about their history absolutely because mm-hmm. guess what your community had an institution may still um mm-hmm. Find out about it because that is torturing and murdering people with developmental disabilities. Yeah, on the regular. So, uh, as policy. So yeah, look it up. See what see what's there. See what the people in your community have had to deal with. I think. Don't take point. our word for it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> in sync. Don't start singing in sync. Oh man, we just watched a. Uh, what what was that show called? It's a like a heritage show of like looking up your ancestors or whatnot. Okay. Uh, and LeVar Burton was on it. Hell yeah. And they looked up. Oh yeah, up, Finding Your Roots on PBS. Hey. And so like it goes back through and looks up like all your ancestors and whatnot. Uh, and man, uh, if you haven't watched that, check it out. Because LeVar, man, he got dealt a, a difficult hand to deal with during that show. <laughs> Let me tell you. And then also uh, Wes... Studi? God dang. I'm so bad with names. I think you got it, though. Is it Wes Studi? Um, I don't know. He's a native actor. He's done yeah, a ton he's... of parts. Okay. I mean, let's rate this. <laughs> okay. Ten. I have no notes. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs and up. here's why. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point we'll watch the... Uh, the sequel to this, right? I'd like to. I'd like to see what happened with Philly yeah. and see see where they landed. I'm less interested in, in Best Sister, although I think the family dynamics would just be interesting uh, yeah. to see. But uh, I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing. I liked this this Philly director. Landed. I liked how it was done. I liked you know, there were certain things, even though it, we weren't super pleased with the dad, that I I liked because you know. It's a Jewish family, and I think because of, you know, that history, they had empathy about things that I think a lot of families wouldn't have empathy oh, that's a good about, point. about seeing, you know, what was going on. That scene where he learns about what was happening, he's like, so I had to do this. There's still a lot of people that would look the other way. 
And did. And did. <laughs> I mean, that whole uh, Geraldo Rivera documentary happens in New York, in that area, talks exactly about what he saw there. You know, I mean, he, he, he goes on site and it's the middle of winter and not the Geraldo, but, but Max going to see uh, Philly. Mm. And here's these kids outside, yeah. no coats, nothing, and they're freezing. And why are they standing outside? Because it's like cleaning time or some bullshit. And they do this every fucking day for multiple hours. They just have to stand there. They don't give, they're not given anything to do. And this goes to back to the whole matter of policy thing, right? How, mm-hmm. how, how abuse is built into these things because it's efficient. Or, you know, we don't have staff. I'm doing the best I can with the staff that I have. You know, I've got one minute to to feed these 59 people. So, like, you know. If, Some of these kids are going to starve. Or choke. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't monitor it. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best with the $10 they gave me to deal with this situation. Oh, it's rough, but recommend. Yeah, absolutely recommend. Also, watch the, the award thing because I think it's worth shitting on Shatner. Go to the comments <laughs> and talk about what a piece of I'm, shit yeah, it is. Agreed, but I'm still excited for my record. Well, I mean, enjoy your record. I mean, it's, 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 it's fine. I'm just, I'm, I'm angry. It's just such a shitty thing to do. Like, you know, the Oscars is a is a weird place where weird rules around like winning the award of your lifetime are well, and it, included. It seems like most of the people that that I talk to, people at the Oscar parties, people that are interested in film and this stuff, will are fine with letting the person go on. Yeah, yeah, and talk for ten minutes. It's like we want to see. We're, we watch the dresses people wore for four hours. We're fine with, with yeah, you know. serious time. <laughs> and they're just like thirty seconds, and we're pulling you off. Don't say anything about the Dixie Chicks yeah. and the Pulper. <laughs> it's such a weird thing, and I I, I don't know why they fucking. And do if it. somebody's gonna say something fucked up, I want to know. Yeah. And getting on the tape. I want to make sure I don't support that person's projects in the future. But then they give, like, if you're the best actress or best actor, they let you, like, prattle on for forever. Joaquin Phoenix, when he won for the Joker, just like, and I was like, man, shut up. Like, (laughs) you got nothing. But then, like, people won for real shit. Like, not real shit, but we're like going on about real things and they're like kicking the music, like, hey, get off the fucking stage. You know, it's. Come on, do better. Boo. Agreed. Uh, we finished. We did finish. You need to feed your cats. I do I need to, to feed run my cats. Run around the block or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't be contained. I got to run around the block. What's the gal's name? Uh, Persis Kambada. Uh, yeah. Did you know she was uh, Miss Universe entry for for India? Yes. I did not. I wanted... Crazy history. And she, she wanted to shave her head for Star Trek. <laughs> Rad. Rad. And She's like, she was way oh. better in conduct on becoming than she was. In oh, Star all Trek. the wigs I'll get to wear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Folks, Thank thanks for, for hanging out. Remember, you can get a hold of us on the, the socials. But please write us a review. Give us some stars, however many seem reasonable. Uh, and I'm going to finish this wobble. We'll talk to you a little bit later. Thanks, and goodbye. What the hell movie were you talking about?